Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to It Never Gets Old, a firsthand account of all things secondhand and sustainable. This is a podcast about thrift, vintage, consignment, resale fashion, what it means for the planet, what it means for our wallets, how this bleeds into sustainable fashion, how we are treating our closets differently, spending our money differently, and clothing our bodies. I'm your host, Meredith Feynman, and I am joined by my bestie in the Westie, Sarah Lane. Hi, Mayor. I'm very excited to be here today because I'm very excited to know what we're talking about. We're talking about designer collaborations, which I will define and get into in a minute. What I will say is first, my brother got married this weekend and I created my own collaboration, which was like a classic when I get fixated on something... You know, wedding is big. I'm sister of the groom. Like, you know, I care about my outfits being on point. And so for for the rehearsal dinner, I am not a woman that wears a lot of skirts or dresses. And I happen to have found this self-portrait, which is a British designer uh, jumpsuit that I really liked. And the reason I like the jumpsuits is that they're very beautifully detailed on top and then plainer on the bottom. They just look nice. And some jumpsuits look like they're all just one thing. This looked a little more complex than that. And I had walked into a secondhand store and it was on hold. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I love that. I have I rarely see things I love. Why did you love it so much? Because it's one piece. It was easy. It was interesting and different. I will link to it. It had this, it was blue and black. It had this, it was long sleeve. I'm very particular about sleeves. I have a thing about my arms. Everyone has a different thing about whatever. But it was the right combination of like edgy and elegant, a brand I like but never buy because self-portrait really retains value and thus resells at a very high price point so don't normally buy it it's often like too girly for me this was a real like line between like feminine and edgy and just interesting and different and it's like oh I love that that's what I want to wear but it was on hold so I convinced the store owner to let me try it on despite it being on hold another issue with self-portrait is that it runs criminally small criminally small offensively small if anyone connected to the brand self-portrait is listening, it's offensively small. And that's true of a lot of British designers. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried on Alexander McQueen, but like, 
it's tiny. So like basically like if you were a two, you might be an eight. Yes. Like that. It's it's that extreme. Yeah. Um, which is bullshit. It's very hard to find secondhand self-portrait that isn't astronomical price wise. But then it's also really hard to find secondhand self-portrait that is in a size that can be worn by a person with a body. So this like I am normally like a I would say a solid six, sometimes a four. Um, and this was their size 10. <laughs> right. Um, Which is the whole thing. You know, like even if you know that's how it works, like it never really feels super good. It wasn't even that. I was just thrilled that it was something that it was a little loose, but I like that. I like things that run big. I like to have room. Like I'm not quite on the like Billie Eilish spectrum, but I'm closer to Billie Eilish than I am to Jennifer Lopez. Like, you know, like it's I like things to be looser, but it was on hold. And I was like, oh, my God, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. And when I fixate on something, I like go ham. It turns out I knew the girl who wanted to buy it. And I messaged her and I said, listen, <laughs> I will pay you double or I will pay you a not insignificant amount of money to rent it from you for the night of my brother's rehearsal dinner. Wow. Okay. And okay. she was like, no, I really like this. And I was like, fuck. So I then went on an internet rampage uh, because, again, it's very hard to find secondhand self-portrait. It's even harder to find it in a non-criminally small size. There ended up being one on the planet. Like, I looked through eBay, I looked through Poshmark, I looked through Tradesy, I looked through uh, The Real Real, I looked through, I looked through everywhere possible. And even, like, even in my depths of despair, because when I focus on something, this is how I get, uh, I even looked on the regular shopping internet, and it was an older season style and thus sold out everywhere. Or, not, or discontinued, you know, they weren't carrying it anymore. Yeah. So there was just one, exactly one on the real reel, but it was small. So I was like, fine. And it was expensive. And I'm like, you know what? This is, I've now decided this is the only garment I can possibly wear to my brother's rehearsal dinner. So I ordered it. And it was too small. And I had the entire thing remade. My tailor whom I adore, Cheryl Lofton. She's incredible. If you're in the D.C. area, please go to her. She is a third generation Washington, D.C. business owner, Taylor. She was Michelle Obama's tailor. I think you've probably heard of her. <laughs> um, and her her guy, we ripped it apart, took it out. And then, I mean, I ended up spending a, a lot of money on this thing. Then we took the pants off of the jumpsuit and put on better pants and different pants. And then he sewed it all up and then put a zipper down the whole back. It was a whole thing. Dang, so, girl. So, I mean, you liked this. You like you liked the aesthetic enough to be like, let's rip this whole thing apart and make it for me because I have to wear it to my brother's uh, rehearsal dinner. Yeah. So I will show you a photo, but the top is self-portrait. And the bottom ended up being this beautiful pair of Sandro pants that I bought at the Sandro uh, outlet in Paris that I don't normally wear. And I needed something really high waist. It was like a whole thing. And it just ended up costing so much money. But it looked great. And it's amazing. So I will I will share it. Um, but that was my own designer collaboration. <laughs> well, kudos, <laughs> but that's, kudos. That, that's not what we're talking about today. 
So today we're talking about something pretty highly specialized. We might have some new listeners, hope to have some new listeners. Last week I did Natch Butte, which is a different fashion and beauty podcast, mostly beauty, hosted by Jackie Johnson. Love her, good friend. Talked a lot about It Never Gets Old, hyped us up, Sarah, bragged better, talked about bragging. And so today I want to talk about designer collaborations and how to buy and sell them secondhand. Sarah, do you know what a designer collaboration is? I think I know what it is in theory. It would be like if Kanye collabs with Yves Saint Laurent and makes some shoes. Yeah, basically. That's it. All right. (laughs) All right. Cool. Well, these designer collaborations are limited edition, special Capsule, which means basically small, one season only, likely to be a very firm number of things. Uh, Flash in the pan type design experiences that sell for a lot of money and don't really serve. They they artificially create demand, basically, is they sure they create all this buzz. They're often for PR purposes. They end up on varying like hype beast streetwear blogs. A lot of these yeah, brands are streetwear. Because it's hard to get. And so you've manufactured this scarcity and you've basically created this hype around two brands squishing together. A classic, classic example is like a Supreme, which is a really, you know, popular streetwear brand. They did their Louis Vuitton collaboration and that was an insane amount of money. But... It's now a thing that exists not only between fashion brands, but also with artists and fashion brands. Friend of the podcast, Anya Firestone, uh, has written about this a lot as an art historian for High Snobiety, um, about the intersection of art and fashion and this sort of art and capitalism, like when... I think it was Jeff Koons did a number of bags for Louis Vuitton. So this idea is this, this, you know, short-lived, special thing. And it's very cool and unusual to have. And sometimes you really want, like, something that is incredibly unique. Besides the fact that it is cool, I assume that it also means that it's more expensive. Yes. So that's one reason why I wanted to talk about buying and selling these collaborations. This episode, if you're thinking about buying special collaborations, is not about saving money. It's about how to get your hands on these very rare items. Now, if you're thinking about selling them, it's about considering how and where and when and why to sell them to get the most amount of money or make a profit. I have done both of these things in both of these ways. So in terms of what I've bought, Actually, one of my very favorite gifts, God, this was such a fancy gift. It was not secondhand. Um, Sarah and my friend, Kate Gardner, got me a Comme des Garçons and the Metropolitan Museum of Art did a collaboration. And she got me this long duster jacket. It's black that mimics the robes that people that work for Comme des Garçons on the floor wear. I've worn it a couple times and people don't understand. They're like... Are you going to a graduation? Did you graduate? <laughs> like, and I'm like, you don't understand what this is. Like, not only is this a Comme des Garçons like workwear jacket that almost touches the floor, but it was also purchased through the Met collection. Thank you very much. You know, this this example probably uh, is an example of a lot of times a collab that means something to the person who 
got the garment, right, doesn't necessarily translate to everyone else. And maybe that's not the point. It's not. So it's basically artificially manufacturing demand. A lot of it is a PR stint and buzz. It's for buzz. It's for PR. It's sometimes to awaken an older brand and an unexpected brand. There's something called Gorpcore, which is the term, maybe you've heard Normcore, uh, but Gorpcore is the resurgence of sort of outerwear, true outerwear, like Patagonia, um, Tevas, uh, North Face, things that I can hear you laughing, Sarah. What is the Gorp part of it? So what is this Gorp core that sounds ridiculous? That It's a term for this idea of sporty outerwear becoming fashion. I'm reading from Vogue. Uh, puffer jackets, fleece vests, like Valentino did this raincoat, waterproof things, Velcro, socks and sandals, like outdoor wear. Now, I'm not entirely sure why it's called Gorpcore itself. Uh, maybe like Gore-Tex type thing. Yeah, this is just really, really the. Yeah, I mean, we're we're just you know we're we're trying to like deal with this like <laughs> on the fly right now. Like, what's Gorpcore? I get what this is. Like, would this be like Canada Goose kind of stuff? Yeah, except a little less fancy. So basically, one thing that's really happening in collab... So there have been designer collaborations for a long time. You know, one really classic one that we've all loved is Target and H&M. Yeah. Like, tar I remember going crazy. You couldn't even buy the stuff every time Target did one of these releases. I remember trying to do... When Peter Pilato for Target was a thing, there, you know, a lot of times it's an expensive designer collaborating with a more widespread, less expensive brand. Now, sometimes that can translate. You see that all the time with like celebrities or higher end designers doing that for homeware stores, for Ikea, for, you know, sheets and homeware stuff. But it has bled into fashion in this way that people are also pairing up things that you wouldn't have thought of before. So for example, outdoor voices, trendy outerwear and leggings, athleisure brand that we spoke about in the athleisure episode, if you listen to that, uh, did a collaboration with Tiva. And I remember being in France trying to buy them and I couldn't because they were immediately sold out. Then I searched around for a pair and they went for over the selling price. I mean, people will really go crazy for these collaborations because they are these unique random mashups, uh, to use like a 2008 word, uh, of, of two different brands you wouldn't think about. So some of that means, you know, streetwear and doing collaborations with North Face. All of a sudden, Sarah, North Face is very trendy. I should have kept my fleece. Man, I mean, I didn't realize North Face ever fell off the map. North Face has always been, if you are wearing a North Face jacket, I mean, it's you're probably warm, but also you know that the person paid a bit of money for it. Yeah, yeah, but also all these, North Face is doing all these crazy collaborations all of a sudden with like different streetwear brands. And they go for like a bazillion dollars. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's funny because I remember when it was like, I don't know, Michael Kors did a collaboration with 
Target? It might have been Target. But, you know, it was sort of thing where you're like, okay, that brand is, you know, they're they're kind of bringing things down to, like, the gen pop. But at the same time, it's so successful for the brand. And you get really buzzy. And then it gets people in the door that wouldn't necessarily buy your stuff. Right. Like, you know, Tevas have had a resurgence and designer, high-end designers have been making their versions of Tevas. But like, you know, Valentino did a collaboration. Like Birkenstock is a great example. Valentino did a collaboration with Birkenstock. Rick Owens did a collaboration with Birkenstock. And they sell for, you know, way over the normal price of a Birkenstock. And in that case, it's like people who are Rick Owen, diehard Rick Owens fans, which was a very high-end, like drapey leather, kind of very expensive leather emo, as in that everything's always all in all black and draped of like beautiful leather, but you're gonna buy, they're gonna buy that. And then I think people that maybe want to bump up their Birkenstocks and that have no idea who Rick Owens is are going to learn about a very high-end brand. It's basically just classic so, you know, cross promotion. And Birkenstock, I mean, on its own, not cheap. So, you know, the, the whole sort of like making Birkenstock part of the uh, New York Fashion Week, you know, as it were, that is very advantageous for the people involved who are going to make money off of this. Totally. So what does this have to do with It Never Gets Old? It has to do with one thing I love and one thing I care about in secondhand shopping and in vintage and in resale is finding unique items. A lot of times these collaborations are a very small issue. Uh, they only make a certain number to manufacture this buzz. And it's kind of how to get your hands on it. This is, as I said at the top of the episode, less about saving money, at least when you're buying it. and But on the flip side, potentially making some money from these collaborations. So I'm going to explain a little bit about how to do both. So I don't know if you remember this, Sarah, but I remember when Target first started doing collaborations, people would go and they had no limits on them. Sometimes when people, when there are these collaborations, there's a limit on how many pieces you can buy. But I remember like when you tried to go to some of the really big Target uh, designer collaborations, maybe Altazara did one, Giambattista Valley just did one with H&M when I was in Paris and like the day it came out, I went in to go get something and they didn't have any of it. And people are grabbing it to resell it online for more money. So ethical stuff. Is it okay for me to buy a, in bulk a bunch of like really cool collab stuff from the Target collab and then flip it online for more money? Is that okay or is that frowned upon? I think it's kind of fine. Well, <laughs> proceed with caution. I will tell you to proceed with caution. So... Like, we'll get a, a little bit more into the selling of it, of what I've experienced. But I will say, like, I tried to do this once and I didn't know enough. And I'm still teasing our sneakers series because it has to be more than one episode because sneakers is, you know, entire, entire world. But I tried to do it. Don't do it with stuff you do not understand. Like, if you really know the two brands, like I really know Birkenstock and I really know Valentino. So I would know how to sell that or I would know how to buy that. But particularly for selling, I remember trying to do this with a pair of Jordans maybe. And I know a lot about sneakers, but Jordans, some people that when they know about them, sure, as you know it's Sarah, the whole thing. yeah. Mm -hmm. It is a that yeah. in and of itself is an entirely different yeah. world. And had I done it correctly and I bought two pairs at retail price, they weren't cheap, and I made a criminal mistake, which was that I bought them 
one in a size eight men's and one in a size I don't remember the other one but what I wasn't thinking about is like a men's size eight is not a lot of men actually and I didn't sell them quick enough so I don't think I I maybe broke even but they were hot for three seconds and that's why I want to talk about selling this stuff because you have to hit it at the right time to break even or you know make significant money before it before it drops off but in this case I totally didn't know what I was doing I deal mostly in women's wear not men's wear that was not a smart thing for me to do and I picked a size that nobody not nobody but you know size eight proliferates on like the grailed and I, I think I tried to sell them maybe first on grailed which I didn't know well enough like you need to know some of this stuff and and how to list it. it this is like a little bit advanced even for me sometimes but you can get your hands on a lot of this stuff if you know where to look okay so let's let's break down buying for a second let's say I really want to get my hands on a pair of those Valentino Birkenstocks which like I do however I ran into a friend who was wearing them <laughs> and she said they were very uncomfortable and personally I stand the they someone referred to them as the Birkin Crocs and I was slightly horrified but they're made of like very lightweight rubbery material so you have to be if you really want these collaborations and you are not going to buy them secondhand, you have to be ready and waiting. I remember like the first big round of off-white Nikes that came out. They did like a blazer. They did a Vapor Max. These are all different, you know, types of Nike shoes. They did an Air Max, all different designs. of. And I, I it was the first time I've ever on Nike.com like entered that lottery at that moment. You've done. Have you done that, Sarah? No, no, Mayor. Sneakers.com. Sneakers.com. No. My goodness, so, no. But I mean, it sounds super fun. I'd like to know more about it, but no. So I've it's actually it. not. And I will like get into it uh, a little bit more, you know, when we talk more about sneakers. But sneakers.com, <laughs> S-N-K-R-S, basically is Nike's like purchase site for when they do these limited edition drops. And you have to be, okay. you have to be like ready and waiting. It honestly reminds me of like when I was in middle school and I used to call the radio station to try to get like tickets to things. Oh, totally. And you'd, mm -hmm. and you'd have to like redial and redial and redial and redial. So like you refresh and refresh and refresh. And I didn't get any of them, even though I clicked on it the second it came out. But then you start going to the secondhand internet. Uh, and something I will say is, you know, now I'm kind of over those shoes and I feel like a lot of people had them and then I got over it because I refused to pay. People were, so they probably reached, some of them retailed for around like 150 bucks and people were selling them for like a thousand. This was true of like a Yeezy, which is Kanye West and Adidas. Right. One thing about designer collaborations is timing. Timing is everything when buying and selling them. If you were going to buy them right when they come out, you are going to be paying over retail price. And you can find that on eBay. You can find that especially on Grailed. Grailed is great for designer collaborations, particularly streetwear ones. You know, you can look on StockX, which I don't use as much, but I think is really interesting. That's like a very metrics-driven uh, secondhand site where it tells you like you know what you can expect to pay for this and it like does a little bit harder analysis it's less of a fashion lean and more of like a a bidding sort of business economics lesson almost but you have to be really careful so for example because Kanye West has just I feel like fallen off the rails uh, I've been noticing that Yeezy prices have dropped almost 
to retail price, which was like $200. Interessante. Whereas before, if you were trying to get a pair of popular Yeezys, you couldn't buy them regular from Adidas. You you couldn't get them. There's no way. There were people, you know, Sarah, you talk about people being lined up around the block. And you could maybe get them for $1,000. Now they're down to the 300s, if not less. And I'm seeing more and more of them. So, So that's the thing about selling this. If you have special collaboration stuff, you need to decide within six months whether or not you're going to sell it. You're making a gamble by holding it and deciding whether or not it will continue to climb in value. That is a total crapshoot. I am of the opinion that the sooner you buy it, the better. Because you need to see when something is peaking in terms of desirability and like lack of stock. But you can also decide to keep it. And sometimes that crapshoot or investment or flip doesn't work and you just want something that you want. Like, for example, King of Designer Collaborations, Virgil Abloh, now creative director, men's Louis Vuitton, founder of Off-White. You know, he did. He's done several Ikea collaborations. I don't think those will retain value at all. So if you're going to sell them secondhand and you you are someone who's into collaborations, you're into unusual objects, you need to decide within three to six months whether or not you're going to keep or sell something. So, for example, I talk a lot about buying directly from um, influencer Chiara Faragni's closet. I bought this Olympia Latan who makes these book clutches. She's done a couple collaborations. She did one with Peanuts. That was really cute. And she did one with Keith Haring, who is an amazing, amazing artist. And I bought a Keith Haring collaboration from her closet at a very good price. I don't think, I think I'll maybe break even on it, but it's not a hot and sexy sort of off-white collaboration. But I made the choice that like that's actually something unique and different I want to have. And when you're trying to buy these collaborations too, it's the same thing. It's hot when it's hot. If you wait six months and you decide you really still want something because they have manufactured this artificial demand and then you go to the secondhand sites, I guarantee this stuff will have dropped by half. Something else I will say about buying these high-end collaborations is they do not sell well, which you can use to your advantage. So if you're buying them and trying to flip them, you got to do it immediately. You have to do it immediately or as soon as as humanly possible because people's attention shifts and there's always going to be a new cool collaboration. But if you have waited long enough and you go to a place like The Real Real, like so for example... I'm trying to remember who exactly it was. Montclair, the fancy puffer coat brand, does a lot of collaborations. And when they first come out, those jackets are thousands of dollars, like thousands. Um, They're insane prices. But I have noticed, and this is because, as I've said in the podcast, I say it all the time, the stuff that moves the fastest is not the, the, the hottest thing of the moment, the trendiest, trendiest, trendiest. Sometimes it is, but mostly it's like what's going to appeal to the widest audience, and this isn't. And so, for example, Sarah bought a Baja East t-shirt that was incredibly hard to find. It was a collaboration, I think, with the Human Rights Campaign. They made it for Gay Pride, and I loved it, and I tried to find it. I couldn't find it anywhere. And how much did you pay for it on the Real Real? Oh, I don't know, 20 bucks. And there you go. I mean, maybe it was a little bit more than that, but it was like, cool t-shirt, love it. I bought and it. there you go. And I said, I know what that T-shirt is because I tried to find it because it was a special collaboration. And so that's the exact thing that you're bumping up against is like some of this is also gambles and you have to decide like 
are you going to wait till it's 20 bucks somewhere and people have forgotten about it? But when you're selling it as well, you also have to get it out there quickly to the right audience. Basically, what I'm telling you is it's incredibly hard to sell designer collaborations and it's pretty easy to buy them if you wait long enough. But selling them, they're going to be a shit ton of fakes because if you have something that has, you know, this artificial hype, this especially like among like hypebeast, streetwear, men in particular, it's going to be fake. So you have to be really careful. There is so much fake off-white. It's insane. You know, that's that's really, you know, what to look out for and not to get too swept up, learn from my mistakes in all of these collaborations. So when I was in Paris at Le Claire, which is this ins- insane boutique, I bought what I thought was a very difficult to find Comme des Garçons Converse, which like you've seen them. They have the hearts of the, like the faces in them. Sure. Yeah. Like they've been doing this collaboration for a long time. Thought I was finding a really rare colorway, which means a really rare color pairing. And they were green. And they were this army green. They were super fucking cool. And I bought them at retail price. I love that boutique. It was probably the only thing in there I could afford. And then I came back and they're everywhere. So you got to be really careful of also this like manufacturing of scarcity and manufacturing of buzz. But if you can manage to do it right and sell it when it's hot and you go to Target and, you know, way back when you were someone who was flipping all this stuff, like there's actually money to be made. But what I will say is that there will only continue to be more interesting and different collaborations because brands have realized this is a way to revive themselves, to make themselves relevant, and to make a lot of money, and to have something unusual. But that drop-off is really fast. So I actually, in thinking about it, these collaborations, while they serve a a designer, can be cool, unique pieces, they are now that I now that I really think about it horribly unsustainable because they are such a flash in the pan and they are a trend. But I do love my kimono slash graduation robe that Kate got me. That's uh, a you know come de garçon like work work robe, and and that's really cool. Uh, and it's something that's special to me. So in considering these collaborations and what you want to buy and what you want to sell, one more thing I'll say about selling them is you have to sell it somewhere where people will know the value. Because a lot of people aren't inside baseball, aren't like this far down the rabbit hole and they don't know what they're selling. So whether it's the real, real understanding it's a special collaboration and not, you know, glazing over the details, which is another conversation for another time, or it's just a regular consignment store that just thinks it's a pair of Tevas and doesn't understand what they have that is something that can be a problem and then also can be used to your advantage because you can get that $20 t-shirt that Sarah got. So really understanding the value, watching that value and using it to your advantage will will help you find these unique pieces. And they're not going anywhere. I think they're only going to get more interesting and more fashion centric, particularly with art brands, you know, like Andy Warhol, they, I guess, licensed a bunch of it to Calvin Klein's new high end line. They're just going to keep doing it because it makes some money. I want to hear from you. Have you bought collaborations, sold collaborations? What's your favorite collaboration? What collaboration do I not know about? That's like super freaking cool. Uh, you can find us online at ingopodcast.com. 
there you will learn more about me, your host, Meredith Feynman, my producer, Sarah Lane, as well as links to our social meds on Twitter and Instagram at INGO Podcast. Slide into those DMs, ask questions, show me your finds. You can always email us at hello at INGO Podcast. And looking forward to hearing from you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.